0: of the church. The church was a mystery, even to the apostles, certainly to the leaders of Israel during the days of Jesus. Even the Old Testament prophets didn't see it in all of its glory. They had pictures, glimpses here and there of something, but they didn't fully understand the church. And it was as the New Testament age unfolded that really with the work of the Apostle Paul uh, we began to understand the fullness of the church, and uh, we're talking about the Church in with respect to what happens to the church in the end of days and i've covered all kinds of background to help us to get into this, where I will deal primarily out of the epistles which talk about the future of the church. But uh, what I want you to see here is the beginning of the mission of the church. And I'm going to go to the book of John, chapter 21. Very, very important uh, chapter. And I'll start reading here uh, with um, verse 1. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, Sea of Galilee. And in this way he showed himself. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we're going to go with you also. So they went out and immediately got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. So all night long they're throwing out nets to catch fish, and they don't catch anything. And uh, so what you have here is you have these apostles not quite sure about what they do next. Now they're convinced of the resurrection, and it took a little work for that to happen, but this is probably about midway in the 40-day period from when Christ first appeared to them in Jerusalem, and they were there for over a week in the environs of Jerusalem, but then they went to Galilee. When they went to Galilee, they were there for Christ to take them to another level. And uh, he gave them yet another commission. That's a whole new teaching. There were actually three commissions, not just one. And so here we are in John 21, and Peter, I, I don't think, is sure that he's going to lead the church. I think he's, he's a little ashamed still of what had happened uh, before uh, Christ was raised and how he had uh, denied the Lord three times in his trial. And so Peter's going back to fishing. But now when the morning had come, Jesus kind of interrupted their plans. He stood on the shore, but the disciples didn't know that it was Jesus. I love this. There are loads of things that happen in our lives that we don't know it was Jesus. We don't recognize it in the beginning. It's only later we look back and we say, wow, God was working there. Uh, so the Bible says that Jesus said to them, children, have you any food? King James says, children, have ye any meat? And I can just see that religious picture of Jesus holding his hand like this, children, have you any meat? That isn't what he said. He said, boys, have you caught anything? That's what I think he yelled out to them. Have you caught anything? And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. So they cast. And now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of the fish. Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved, that's John, said to Peter, it is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment for he had removed it. He was down in his uh, 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 basically t-shirt and shorts. <clears throat> and he jumped into the sea. But as the other disciples came in the little boat, they were not far from the land, about 200 cubits, they dragged this net with the fish. As soon then as they had come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid on it and bread. Not the fish they caught. Jesus had fish for them already. <clears throat> but Jesus said, bring some of the fish which you have just caught. And Simon Peter went up and dragged the net land full of large fish, 153. And although there were so many, the net was not broken. Wow. Now, scholars have puzzled over this number, 153, for years. What in the world does it mean? Can I tell you that no detail that's ever given in Scripture is insignificant? Never is there an insignificant detail. If it's mentioned, there's a reason for it. There's something to be learned from it. Well, 153 is not associated with any other prophecy anywhere in Scripture. If it is in 144, we just uh, said, you know, that's 144,000. If it's 120, that's the number of people in the upper room. That's not the number. It's 153. It's an unusual number. And so what is the 153? Well, there is a thing in both the Hebrew and the Greek alphabets, the two languages of the Bible, two primary languages of the Bible, where that every letter is also a number. And so any word is also a sequence of numbers, and it has a numerical value. That's called gamatria. And so what we see is there is a phrase that appears in Hebrew in the Old Testament six times, it is called the sons of God. And the gematria or the numerical value of that statement or that phrase, benai, sons of, ha, the Lord, or Elohim, sons of God. Um, I hope I've confused you sufficiently there. The sons of God has a numerical value of 153. So remember what Jesus did on that very place, Sea of Galilee, when he first met these guys? He said to them, follow me and I will make you what? Fishers of men. Jesus is saying to them in this, I am taking you to catch people so that they might become sons of God. Well, this is important. And Peter's the lead guy. Now Peter had probably given up on himself. So Jesus isn't done with him. He's restoring Peter and he's doing it in the presence of all the others. So listen to what happened. Now... The Bible says, "'So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, "'Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these?' He said to him, "'Yes, Lord, you know that I love you.'" He said, "'Feed my lambs.'" And he said to him again the second time, "'Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me?' He said to him, "'Yes, Lord, you know that I love you.'" And he said to him, "'Tend my sheep, feed my sheep.'" And he said to him the third time, "'Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me?' Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Now, here's what's fascinating about this. Peter had denied the Lord three times. So Jesus gave Peter an opportunity to undo all of that. He'd already forgiven him. But so the others would know and so that Peter would know, he publicly has Peter confess him in front of others Three different times. It's interesting to me that in the first answer uh, that Jesus gave to Peter, he said, Feed my lambs. That was after the first confession of Peter. Peter's first denial was to a teenage girl, a damsel. It means a teenager. There's a young girl in her teenage years that Peter said, I don't know him. So Jesus ties his first denial to this first order, this first command, feed my lambs. So he's making Peter responsible for more than one generation of people. Mm. I wish every leader could grab hold of that, because most leaders think only of communicating with their own generations. And I'm telling you, that if you're going to fulfill the work of God, you've got to communicate with more than one generation. You may not even be the one to do it, but you have to see that it gets done. I'm telling you that our church was saved because I made a decision years ago to communicate with another generation, and today that generation is leading our church and reaching even another generation. Now what we see here is that the mission of the church is established here. And it's established in between the time of the resurrection and the time of the day of Pentecost. And what Jesus is saying is, guys, there has been a lot happen. You were shocked beyond belief by the horrible death that I died. No doubt that what you went through was very traumatic. The fear of you too being crucified, I'm sure you felt all of that. You felt, and and listen to me, it was not just a public execution. Nobody can possibly imagine the darkness that was over Jerusalem at the time of the crucifixion. The powers of darkness, Satan and every demonic presence on earth was there to stop the Christ, the heaviness, the doubt, the fear, the confusion, the hopelessness. I mean, imagine the hopelessness. It wasn't just somebody who died. It was their hero who died. It was the one who they had seen do miracles and healings. He's dead. And they're devastated by all of this. And he was dead for three days and three nights. I mean, the shock of this all was not something you get over like that. And so Christ was bringing them back to a place of belief and a place of strength to pick up the mission and to realize what they had to do. And he is making them to know this is where you go from here. And i got to tell you, one of the things that I have learned over the years is to go back to the mission. Every time I've been the least bit confused or discouraged, Or uh, listen, this is what I do. I feed the sheep. Listen to what Peter said, and he's still doing this at the end of his ministry. Listen to 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1, 2, 3, and 4. Fascinating text. The elders which are among you I exhort whom also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed, feed the flock of God which is among you. That's the first responsibility of any leader. Feed the flock of God. Before we lead, we feed. It is feeding that draws people to us. Feeding is what causes people to want to be joined to you. There are some who think that, that all you have to do is organize. Organization is important, but if you don't feed, you haven't accomplished anything. It is the feeding of the flock. I believe that if we feed correctly, we will deposit something that people can take with them. That's why I want. I tell a lot of stories, because stories are usually what people remember more than anything else that you do and more than anything else that you say. And I want to lay these stories on people. Let people go home with an idea. Even if it's just one thought, that's all i got to get across that day. Feed the flock of God which is among you. Taking the oversight thereof. That's the word overseer, bishop, episcopos. It means that you organize people, that you lay things out for them. Uh, administration is a part of the job of the shepherd, of the leader. You don't do it by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, uh, but of a ready mind. Neither as being dictators over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. Three things. Feed lead and organize and model, provide an example. And we provide examples by the way that we live and also uh, showing people how to do things in ministry. Those are the three primary things that every good leader does, feed, lead, model, feed, lead, model, feed, lead, model. And what I have found is if I ever seem to lose my bearings or I don't know exactly what I'm I'm doing or there's a new phase of ministry that comes along. And I've had a lot of things that God gave me, like a kid's TV show that we did for years, and the time for that was over. We had a kid's camp that we ran for 32 years, and the time for that was over. We had an outreach called Christmas Train where we reached over a million people in 17 seasons of operation, but the time for that was over. I started a church and was the lead pastor in that church for 30 years and turned it over by the direction of the Spirit of God to my oldest son. But that is over for me. I'm not there now, not in the place that I was. So what do I do? Feed. That's my first responsibility. That's what this podcast is about. Feed, feed, feed. That's the mission of the church. And it's what Jesus said to Peter on the shores of the Sea of Galilee. This is where I want you to go, Peter. Be one who feeds the sheep. Feed the sheep, feed the sheep. After you feed them, you'll learn how to organize them. And then you become an example for them. But you start with the feeding. And that is the mission of the church. You feed them, they grow. You feed them, they become capable of bearing children and more sheep are born. And that's the mission of the church. And here, halfway between the resurrection and the day of Pentecost, Jesus is getting the church back on track, getting them ready to begin to do what they are supposed to do. Is preparing them to feed a whole lot of people. That's all the time I have for today. We're not done. See you tomorrow. Thanks for joining me.